This is the Next Door Heroes Podcast. So it's honestly a great thing that we're even able to sit here because about three days ago, half of my first floor was underwater. Um, A water main broke and fried the electrical system here and then the fire alarms went off at about 7 30 and i didn't get back inside until 11 so you can understand why i'm very excited to have you sitting on on the couch in my studio apartment so uh ethan are we ready all right well welcome everyone to the first episode of the next door heroes podcast Um, We have one of the coolest people I think I've met uh, in my life already sitting on the couch with us today. Blake Barber from the Memphis Teachers Residency is joining us. Hello, Blake. What's up? How's it going? The coolest person. The coolest person. I'm so glad I got the first episode. Man, you just have this vibe about you. It's great. great. It's like, I feel like I would meet you. Uh, jamming outside on a, with a saxophone in front of like a coffee shop. Yes, me. absolutely. That's totally my scene. Sounds great. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. And um, as I was explaining to you a little bit before we started, it's kind of been a little bit of a interesting two months to get this up and going. So thank you for working with us and uh we're really really excited to have oh, you i'm glad to be here yeah glad to be here yeah you're like this is my third one this week i'm just i'm ready to <laughs> it's go it's actually my first podcast ever really? so actually there's a there's a slight tinge of nervousness right now heart's pounding really? a little bit right now yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so how how uh, how familiar are you with uh neuroanatomy uh in humans, yeah, not very, not very, yeah. Um, how familiar are you with the term amygdala? Okay, a little bit, a little bit. So yeah. amygdala is attached to the reptilian brain, okay. and uh, it's part of the limbic system, right? And when I was teaching, right, um, we would go through our emotions a lot, and we'd talk about the amygdala because there's this thing called the amygdala hijack. This and sounds like free therapy. Yeah, exactly. I love, exactly. It. I love yeah, it. absolutely. So right now, what I would be saying in my classroom is like your amygdala is being hijacked or what mm. my students would be saying is my amygdala is flexing. Gotcha. Um, which means you are nervous. Right. And like all that cortisol is coming right. into your brain right. and your yeah. heart's starting to pound. And so, yes, right now my, my amygdala is up and active. Gotcha. Right now, so yes. is this part, is this connected to like the, the fight or flight? Yeah, response? it's exactly. That's the, okay. that's the part of the brain that gotcha. induces the fight, flight or freeze. So are you trying to do either of those right now? No, because, okay. I'm making a conscious right. effort not to freeze or leave or fight you. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, there's not much room in here to do any yeah. of that because we're in a studio apartment. So uh, I guess you could freeze up and go in fetal position. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not a good look. Yeah, not a good look at all. Well, once again, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And I guess to kind of set the tone you know this whole podcast is about amazing people doing amazing things and I knew after we reached out to MTR and got connected with you that you know you were just ready to go from the bat Um, so I'd love to have you kind of have the opportunity to tell us about you you know where you went to school where you're from what did you major in how long have you looked at Memphis teacher residency so if you want to explain that for the listeners that would be fantastic yeah so uh my wife and I have been in Memphis for five years now. Um, before I came to Memphis, I lived in the lovely state of Kansas um, in a small town called Elbing, 
Um, went to high school there. Uh, and was just a classic small town kid. Um, did you guys used to run through like cornfields and stuff? There were a lot of cornfields yeah. and there were four wheelers and there were, um, dirt bikes. Um, right. And there were hunters, uh, all, all the, I'm very familiar with it. Right. I'm very familiar with it. I can walk into uh, Bass Pro and I feel at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so, uh, but I uh, grew up there and then went to a college um, called Friends University. Um, yes, Friends. Uh, wow. Uh, Not filmed there, correct? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> they had a pretty low budget, if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was actually a... Friends as in the Quaker um, religion, okay. Friends. Gotcha. And so that's what founded it. Gotcha. Um, have to explain that sometimes because right. people give me a funny look. Right. Um, and there I studied um, political science and religion. Okay. Very cool. Um, which was awesome. Loved that time. Grew a lot in that. Um, the problem with that is you get to your senior year and you're like, what the heck am I going to do? Right. Because um, in political science, you study how the world should work and see how the world doesn't. And then in religion, it like elicits a response to the world not working. So all you have is a degree in angstiness. Right. Um, and so my junior year, just after my junior year, I got a job in Oakland, California um, okay. with a, an organization called Center for Student Mission. Very cool. Um, and what we did is we just partnered with different nonprofits and took people around and just like- Oh, that's amazing. Um, showed them how awesome Oakland is and right. what incredible work different people were doing right. and led opportunities for other people to volunteer. Um, and during that time there, I met a teacher who was working at Fremont High. Um, okay. She was a Teach for America alum and just interacted with her and she was talking about all the cool things that she was doing specifically with the ninth graders there um, because there was a incredibly high dropout rate for freshmen, um, okay. well above 50% of the students were dropping out um, by the end of their freshman year. Well, that transition can be hard. Oh, yeah. I remember going from middle school to high school, and, you know, you go from being the top dog in middle school to yeah. you're back on the bottom. And, and uh, just, like, less time around yeah. particular teachers. You're not able to build as many bonds. Right. Um, and then there's just, yeah, being a freshman is tough. Yeah. Um, and so she was working specifically to address that issue, and they were opening a ninth-grade academy. Wow. Um, that just poured um, resource and time and energy That's into awesome. just like loving and serving the kids well. Right. Um, and she was just talking about the impact on that. And I just thought, um, how incredible. Like, um, that is time well spent and oh, energy absolutely. well spent. Absolutely. Um, and so I came home and I was like, I think I kind of know what I want to do. Uh, so I applied for TFA, did a model teach had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to spend my time well and I wanted to serve people. Right. Um, I get accepted into TFA and what they do is they allow you or what they did. I'm not sure what they do now, but what they did is they allowed you to pick the top 10 cities that you wanted to serve in. Right. And for people who are listening and don't know what TFA is, oh, Teach yes. for America. Yeah. Yeah. It's my fault. I speak in acronyms all the time. Like education's okay. filled with them. No, it's That's okay. Yeah, I, I used to work America. at uh, an elementary school doing um, after school care. And it was actually, I, th I believe it was actually part of Teach for America. Okay. But they're at, they did, they partnered with the schools to do 
after school counselors essentially. And I did that for a year and a half, my first um, two years in college. And it was oh, incredible. Cool. Yeah. So I, I understood your connection. There, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. What, uh, what grade? It was um, elementary school. Oh, so, awesome. so funny story. It was, so I went to Auburn University and the whole reason Auburn University started for me is because in high school, I had a passion for fisheries and aquaculture. I think it's an amazing industry, and my high school did a program like that. Well, when I was, I want to say a junior in high school, I was like, okay, this is something that I'm really loving. I want to see if there's potential for this in the future. Well, now, you know, coming into college, I realized, oh, there's a school that has this exact thing that I'm doing in high school. Almost copy and pasted. Well, I went to this camp um, through Auburn University. It was called Fish Camp, believe it or not. Fish Camp. Auburn Youth Program. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's like band camp, except with fish. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, very good. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It was incredible because, well, so... Side note to this story, a lot of kids actually left after the first night because they thought, oh, I'm just fishing 24-7. That's all I'm doing. But you get to learn the science behind fisheries and aquaculture, and it's actually stewarding the aquatic environment Mm -hmm. to better meet the need for the world. And, you know, you get kids that are like, well, I just want to fish, and I can't do that, so I can't leave. I think you go fishing like twice the entire week. But it's an incredible experience because you get to learn the whole thing. So I go to this camp. I'm, I think I want to say I was 15 or 16 and I go and we're driving down what is South College and I look off to the right and they're, they've got this huge construction project going and I go, oh, what's that? And the counselor looks at me and goes, oh, I think they're putting in a new elementary school go to Auburn University, get into a work-study program, which is this Teach for America program, and where do I end up working? This brand-new elementary school. Oh, how awesome. Yeah, so it was really kind of cool to see. I've seen a lot of things come back full circle since throughout my time, and so it'll be fun to see what larger impact that has. But, yeah, anyway, so continue with your story. Yeah, and so TFA played a tremendous impact in Oakland and it is, it continued to play a tremendous impact as I, um, finally got to Memphis. And the way I got to Memphis is there were 10 choices, um, that you could, 10 cities that you could choose from, or sorry, let me say that correctly. There were a lot of cities and you could choose 10 cities that you wanted to serve in. And, uh, I chose, um, these cities that had red dots on them and uh red dots just meant they had a need there whereas like green dots were like a lot of people wanted to go there a lot of people are there um and i looked at oakland and it was a green dot and also to live there was super expensive like i started to calculate a teacher's salary and where I could live, and it was like in a one-bedroom flat with five other people, and I was like, I... <laughs> Speaking of, welcome to my studio apartment, <laughs> yes. as we're all yes. just kind of hanging it, out on the couch. But what's great about this is you're the only person living yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. There's not five roommates. Yeah, you notice the the sheets and 
uh comforter that i have i was hoping yes. it would disguise it yes yeah <laughs> camouflage you know yeah. another familiar thing just kind yeah. of a exactly. an homage to kansas you know <laughs> yeah exactly Love i knew you were coming yes yeah. that's great but uh i selected these cities i selected like the delta rural kentucky detroit memphis several others and um a few weeks later found out i was placed in memphis um to give you some context, the only place I knew and grew up um, was Kansas. There was a period of time when my dad had a job in Denver, Colorado, and we were there for about four years. But my family, my friends, everything was in Kansas, knew nothing about Memphis. I think I had like flown through it once. That was about it. Right. And knew there was like a pyramid here. Right. Um, And so I realized I'm going to Memphis um had been dating this wonderful girl um for some time she's gonna love you for this i know i yeah. gotta get the brownie points in you know um but we're gonna she send was, this to her first yes exactly yeah. and right. you can uh i'll tag her in it on all my social media oh, platforms it will be great i can't wait um and uh said asked her a few weeks later to marry me right um she said yes thank god and uh it'd be awkward if we it would it would be really awkward now it didn't work (laughs) out you would be wondering who you're sending it to right who is his wife now um but uh we uh spent the next couple months getting ready for the wedding um so and we get to may and may 10th i graduated um from college of 2013 may 17th we got married and may 26th we headed to memphis um to gear up for tfa teach for america institute um and during that summer i was placed at fraser achievement elementary to just get training um to start figuring out what lesson planning was to figure out um who my students are like, what do 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds think and do? What motivates them? Because um, it has been a long time, a while since I was 10 and 11 years old. Um, and so I got there at Institute, and uh, that ended up being the school I was placed at. And for the past, the next four years, I was at that school, Fraser Achievement Elementary, teaching fifth grade reading. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I would say when I worked at that elementary school, fifth grade is kind of a weird stage because you go from fourth grade, you don't really have any cares. You know, there's like, you just, you want to know what's for dinner. Like yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. And then fifth grade, you know, then you have to, I remember going from fifth grade into sixth grade and that transition alone is weird. Cause you have to, I don't know if it's still the same way in schools, but you know, you have to sign up for your classes for sixth grade. And then you realize, Oh, I have to do this every year for the rest of my life until I'm done with school. And so that can be a weird transition too. And reading, I mean, I wish I knew how to read, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So how long have you, so you've worked at MTR for five years now? Uh, No. So I worked with Frazier Achievement Elementary for four years. And now this is my first full year on staff at MTR. Okay. um, As an instructional coach. Okay. Um, Yeah. Right. So you, so tell us a little bit more about what it is you do at MTR. What is your role? So uh, MTR, another acronym, I tell you, it's all over um, in education, is Memphis Teacher Residency. Right. And my job title there is an instructional coach. Okay. And so my job is I go into various schools across Memphis and I support teachers there 
um, in whatever needs they have, whether that be instructional, classroom management, self-care, whatever that might be. Right. So because we talked about this in our introductory episode, we, as far as we understand MTR, that it's kind of like Teach for America, correct? Where a student out of school can apply to, you know, come work here in Memphis. So it's like you're, it's like a smaller version of Teach for America, but only specific to Memphis, correct? Correct. And so I would say the difference is Teach for America has a much grander scale Mm -hmm. and a little bit different method in getting teachers into um, schools. Uh, Memphis, Memphis teacher residency model is based directly off like a doctor's residency. This idea of how can we support people and prepare people for the classroom? Let's partner them with a high quality teacher to show them the ropes. That's awesome. Um, so what happens in the residency year, that's the very first year of, um, people from all over the nation apply. Um, this year we're going to have 65 of them coming. Um, May 31st. Gotcha. Uh, and we take each of those 65 um, residents and we pair them with a mentor teacher who is actively teaching and in one of our partner schools. That's cool. And then they also get a coach, which is my role. Gotcha. And so they start year one off supported in the classroom by a mentor and a coach. And then that is partnered with getting a master's degree um, in urban education. Okay. Um, and so our mission is to increase the um, longevity in which a teacher stays in the classroom. Gotcha. Um, So we wanna lower teacher turnover in Memphis, and we feel like the best way to do that is by empowering and supporting um, high quality teachers in specific um, strategic neighborhoods. Yes, absolutely. So that's something that I think I've realized you know, having friends in school who are going to school to be teachers and now leaving the education system after getting my bachelor's degree and looking back and realizing, wow, I didn't realize then what I realize now, which is how much teachers actually do for us. It's incredible. And so I think the idea of having that partnership working together and that mentorship, that's huge. That's an incredible opportunity to really kind of have great success. And I think it's great that MTR is doing that. So, um, so what do you feel like, you know, you're an awesome person already. We already know this. I think we're not even 10 minutes in and we just get it. We are, you're amazing. But what circumstances do you feel you know, led you to become this incredible person that you are today? Oh, man. Uh, I am uh, some of many, many incredible people um, and interactions with those people. Um, We can start in Oakland um, meeting the TFA teacher. um, And then there was this kid named Brandon that I met with every Thursday um, at a Salvation Army camp and we, uh, played baseball and, uh, I got to know him. He was 11 years old and on one week I came to him and he was just off and I asked him what's up and he had gone to a baseball game. He had pitched and had done terribly 
and no one was there to like see him or support him. And he uttered the words, Blake, I feel worthless. Um, and I heard those words and just felt a deep sadness because um, no 11 year old, no 10 year old should ever utter those words um, because they are incredibly valuable and have so much to offer um, and are just at the start of their life. And right. so um, to utter those words really shook me up um, and I think even motivated me more to figure out, okay, what am I going to do to interact um, and uplift and empower children um, to make sure that like children in my proximity don't ever utter those words um, and they know their innate value. And then honestly, I got to Memphis, Tennessee and the four years that I taught, I think my wife and I have counted, it's been 183 students that I have crossed paths with. Each and every one of them have absolutely wrecked me in the knowledge and in the character traits and in the lessons that they taught me in just everyday life. Um, and so right now to like summarize it, the probably most impactful people in my life were 10 and 11 year olds from Frasier. Um, and I, I have a, I'm indebted to the many lessons that they have taught me. Yeah. It's, you know, it's crazy. We sometimes, you know, we as adults think that, you know, well, kids don't have it figured out, but they really are the ones who... Oh, they're so insightful. They are. They've got so much wisdom and, you know, should never really kind of doubt a kid's wisdom because they've got it figured out. It's not just all video games and stuff like oh, that. Absolutely. Because they have the most basic idea of things. And But in our adult world, we just get it so mixed up and so many, you know, contradictions to it. But they're like, nope, this is it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm and good. we miss it. We miss it as adults if we right. aren't just quiet enough and observe and watch and let them speak um, right. and let them use their voice. Right. Um, there were, I mean, to just give some specific stories, uh, if you're good with that. Yeah. Some specific stories Absolutely. is good. Yeah, some story go time with Blake. Let's go yeah, for it. It sounds good. Yeah. Um, there was this uh, sweet family that I got to know, and I got to teach almost all the siblings <laughs> over my four years there. Uh, and during the time there, um, their mother passed away, and I got to go to the funeral and be with them. And then I got the twins, which were little sisters of the oldest sister that I had taught first. Um, and I taught the older sister, uh, the year when her mom passed away. And so the next year the twins, um, were in my class and, uh, there was one day I was walking around and one of them had just checked out, um, had the distinct look of hood up, head down. Um, it was just kind of disengaged from the lesson. And I went over and asked her to have her head up and pay attention to the lesson and, you know, learn because I thought I had all the knowledge in the world to impart to her. Um, and she looked at me and she said, do you think you could just teach sad students? And I said, yeah, I, I think I can teach a sad student. And she said, that's what I need you to do today is just like teach a sad student. And I was like, okay, sounds good. We're going to fast forward um, about nine months later uh, my mom actually passed away. Um, and I get a note from this young lady, um, 
several days later and just in the note it says it's okay i can learn from sad teachers and uh just like shook me like absolutely just probably one of the most it will be a top 10 profound moment um Mm. in my life um just from a little girl who was 10 years old from fraser uh and it is tragic to think about and you mentioned this in your introduction episode about all the negative things that can be put on display about a community such as fraser um and how tragic it is that people that aren't there don't get those profound thoughts right um yeah and that's and honestly that's I think our main drive behind this podcast is it's stories like that right there. You know, a community that is looked at one way has this beautiful, incredibly insightful 10 year old girl who can impact lives. Absolutely. And that's not what's celebrated. Unfortunately, it's, you know, I think it has a lot to do with everyone wants to be so negative these days and stuff, but I guarantee you if we could get her in here and just sit down and just tell us, you know, about all what she's doing, that, that would blow up. That oh, absolutely. Would do things, absolutely. That's not what people want to hear. They only want to hear things that they can complain about or that they can be upset about, but it's stories afraid like of. that. Yeah. yeah. We're afraid of in, we need to celebrate the good. Absolutely. The so yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. That's wow. That's, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little, little shook up to hear that. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So do you think it's experiences like that? Because correct me if I'm wrong again, during that time you were working at Fraser as a teacher. A so teacher, as a fifth grade teacher, right. For teach for America. Yeah, so I had a two-year commitment. So the way Teach for America works is they train you in the summer, and then you have a two-year commitment in which you are need to honor uh, in that. I honored that two-year commitment and then stayed at my placement school for another um, two years. Well, of course. Yeah, because I love it. A story like that, how could you not, Yeah, there's still too much to learn. And I'm sometimes saddened at the fact that I am still missing out. I think I'm currently probably missing out today on like a – a profound thought from a Frasier fifth grader. Um, I'm sure you could drop in. So yeah, I, I'm sure I could. I definitely could. I would. Like, I would can I sit that. at lunch for a day? Yeah, like, that's all. I and want. just uh, have some wisdom dropped on me. So, do you think that because of your experiences that you had with TFA and at Frasier, that you had reached a point where you're like, okay, I learned from this, I grew from this, and now I want to help someone else do the same thing. Do you think that's kind of what catapulted you into MTR and wanting to be a coach now for other teachers? Absolutely. Um, that was definitely something that sparked or was a catalyst to me wanting to jump on at MTR. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but mostly I really believe in Memphis teacher residencies mission, um, which is uh, Christian love expressed in equal education. And in the vision, um, it is to allow communities to live in dignity and peace. Um, And then strategically, how can we access and empower communities while we access and empower teachers to go and love students really well and to be shaped and molded by the stories that are already in the communities. 
like viewing communities as assets and preparing teachers to go into those communities to cultivate and to enrich and to right. amplify right. the voices that are there yeah. um, was a mission I was so eager to be part of right. um, just for so many reasons. Like right. I love teachers. Um, honestly, it's teacher appreciation week. I'm so glad to be platforming teachers. They yes. are like the heroes in Memphis. I'm not saying um, we plan that, uh, but it was good, but it, it's quality timing. It maybe is just a coincidence. Yes. Happy yes. teacher appreciation week. Yes, everybody. Absolutely. Um, so I was super eager to jump on board, um, for that reason. Cause there was just like a big mission that really resonated, um, with me on a lot of levels. Um, but yeah, I think that those stories, those children, 183 of them are in the back of my mind always right. in the way that I interact with teachers. And then in the way that I like want to mold and shape teachers, yeah. which is like for them to be utterly aware of the greatness, um, that is in front of them whenever they're teaching a lesson. Right. Because I think the way you look at it, it's like a, you know, let's just say that MTR is a tree and now you're you're a branch. You're not just, you know, the leaf anymore, the one teacher impacting students. Now you're the branch that is branching out and impacting all these other teachers. And so you're 183 times, however many times, however many teachers you've got now and how many kids they see. And so I'm sure that your teachers love you and they're going to love hearing this. They're so great. I'm sure you're going to get in the office uh, when we release this and you're just going to be celebrating. Yeah. We're excited for that. So did you always want a career of this capacity? I mean, was there ever a point you're sitting in Kansas, you know, out in the (laughs) cornfield thinking, wow, I want to move to Memphis, Tennessee one day. Or do you say, you know what? I bet I could learn to drive a tractor real well. Uh, the tractor, I do love gardening, but the <laughs> tractor was never in my like future. Um, I, I don't think I knew what I wanted to do in uh, Kansas. I knew I wanted to like play basketball, and I knew I wanted to um, go to college. I found myself in college realizing that there is a tremendous need in the world, and that need was big in my mind and uh it just I just kept going to where the need was right right? um and I found myself in education and have just loved it right yeah yeah because that's you know it's interesting I had the same kind of experience where I came to school from Florida and you know thinking I knew everything I mean I was you know, just kind of set in what I wanted to do. And then I got to school and I started meeting other people. And I think that's the, I think ultimately that's the biggest benefit from college is you, your mind expands and you get all these different thoughts and your cha- your beliefs are challenged and, you know, but you get to realize, wow, there's a lot in this world that, people just need help. People just need, you know, a lending hand. And, you know, I think that is honestly the best benefit of college. So I can understand and appreciate completely how, you know, that yeah. you can, under, you can make that decision from that. So talking about more about MTR, 
obviously great organization. We've already yeah. discovered that. What are they doing in the community? Was there maybe a specific project you can mention or, you know, how many teachers, I think you said it already that are on staff that, and how many are, are, are you're obviously looking to grow. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but what are the plans for the future? What are your, the aspirations and goals that you want to set for people? Um, I think, are you guys uh, familiar with uh, Dorothy Sayer at all? I don't, I don't think so. Okay, no. so Dorothy Sayer wrote a really article, a, a really incredible um, essay called uh, Jesus the Carpenter. Okay. Uh, and it is an entire article that has nothing to do with like this Christian ethic of, or, of salvation or like this Christian ethic of anything else other than work. Right. There was a man named Jesus who was a carpenter and what did it mean for him to be Christ in that moment? It was for him to make tables really, really well. Right. Um, there were no crooked legs coming from the Messiah of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. Um, there were no janky tables. Right. Um, and so when I'm thinking about our role in MTR and the vision of MTR, um, that's been casted by the leader, um, David Montague, uh, and Molly need, it was just to, it, it's just in the next 10 years. What does it mean to get really, really good at, um, preparing teachers to go into a classroom and to teach high quality lessons? Um, and so of course we want to get, we strategically place teachers into a feeder pattern. And so ultimately what it looks like in the next 10 years is what is that, what does it look like? in the feeder pattern to have really high quality teachers and empower a community where the overall ACT score of that high school that's in that feeder pattern goes up. Um, and that equal opportunity comes to all students there, right. um, in regards to education and then also access. Um, so that's kind of broad. There isn't really anything specific other than us continuing to do our job really well and continuing to partner with, um, the incredible schools and the incredible students that, are already there. Right. Um, and then, uh, outside of that, there isn't much other to our, there isn't much more to our mission. Right. Um, and vision for MCR. Yeah. Just doing what you do already. So and improving well every year and yeah. improving every year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause if your organization isn't growing, you're getting stale, you're not doing something right. And so yeah. I believe, and I know our producer, Ethan also believes that, MTR grows and succeeds and we're you know, we're so grateful that we just kind of got to be a little itty bitty part of helping share your story. Oh, that's and awesome. MTR and I'm really thankful everything. for the platform. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're a next door hero. In fact, yeah. first one. First one. Had. Yeah. So first one. Some guests have something to live up to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Can I put a plug in? Yes. Okay. So do. if you are interested in like supporting MTR and the yes. mission of MTR and the yes. vision of MTR and supporting the awesome kids that have so much wisdom to impart in this world. There's kind of two ways. And so we have um, summer camp every year. Um, we partner with Kingsbury, um, an elementary reading camp. Um, and it, on average, has allowed students to grow one month in their reading fluency and comprehension, um, which is a big deal in Memphis because um, the summer slide is like learning loss that happens over the summer yes. um, is a big deal. And so if you want to donate, you can go to uh, memphistr.org slash donate, and that money will go specifically to supplies and resources 
um, in employing awesome summer camp teachers yes. um, that are from around the nation from different colleges. Um, that's one way. And then in June, starting June 4th, our residency, the 2018 residents will be done with their residency and they will be going into their classroom um, all by themselves for the first year next year. And they do something called MTR Give. And so these teachers have put together supplies that they need. Um, and that's mtrgive.org. Um, and you could also help a teacher have pencils, help a teacher have um, writing materials and reading materials and to set up a classroom library um, to create a space that cultivates learning um, are two really big needs that we have at MTR um, and would love your support. Uh, the other way that you can get involved is like go talk to a kid and take some of that wisdom that they have and uh, choose the stories that you want to listen to and choose the stories that you tell um, about Memphis and the students that are here. That's incredible because I think a lot of um, times people don't realize a lot of the school supplies that um, teachers get come from their own personal Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, big time. And so, um, I hope that this kind of goes all over so we can help, um, MTR. Oh, that would be awesome. We'd love that. So Blake Barber on the next door heroes podcast, I'd officially like to call you a next door hero because you are changing this world. You have such a positive energy about you. And I think that if anyone was to have a conversation with you for, 30 minutes that they would just see that in you and i hope that this has been an opportunity for that so blake thank you so much for joining us on the next door heroes podcast thanks for having me thank you for listening to this week's episode of next door heroes like and subscribe to stay up to date with incredible people doing incredible things Follow us on social media at the Next Door Heroes podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. 